Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you're new to our community, I'm Helen Denham. I'm a mindset mentor for women. And I've recently started running full moon circles every month. So this is a beautiful opportunity for us to come together as a community, be with you know, sisterhood in a way, and just share where we are on our journey and expand together. So if you're looking for something like that, check out the link in the description below. Our next circle is going to be on November 8th for the full moon in Taurus. So I'd love to see you in there. Okay, so to shift into today's episode, this came about in a very, I guess, unique and natural way. We have Cliff Meidel joining us for the second time. I interviewed him and Dr. Malcolm Lesavoy for episode 96 a little while ago. And these guys are people that I really consider friends at this point. I really look up to them. They have been mentors for me in a way. And just to be able to hear about their story continually and understand how they got to where they are has been really instrumental in my own growth journey. So we've got Cliff here today. And to just give you a reminder of Cliff's background, he is a two-time Olympic athlete. He's a sprint kayaker. And his journey really began when he survived an electrical shock accident that was really a near-death experience before he even went to the Olympics and became this incredible athlete. So he really talks a lot about overcoming adversity, moving through pain, and keeping your eye on the prize, essentially. Um, He is he's got such a strong mindset and a strong spirit that I know that we can all benefit from from hearing about. And this episode came about in such a natural and organic way. I was chatting with him to help him prepare for a speech down the line. And as we were speaking, I was like, this would just make a, a great episode for him, you know, because there's so much wisdom that he has that I really want to share with you all and give you the opportunity to hear as well. And as always, if you feel like a friend might benefit from what you're hearing, please do send it along. And if you feel called to do so, you can even leave a review on Spotify. You can just hit like the star button. Super easy. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for being here. And I'll talk to you on the flip side. So one of the things I'd love to get your take on Cliff is this idea that you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the discipline to back it up, then nothing really happens, right? So what did you learn about this uh, from the beginning of your journey? and, And what did your coach teach you? Essentially, what he had told me one time, uh, you know, during a moment where I was having an enormous amount of trouble uh, at the canoe club, uh, where I was a guppy, uh, I was intimidated by a lot of the people around me. Uh, but I, uh, but you know, I was a worker bee. You know, I just did a lot of work and and was really developing as a paddler at that time. And he kind of pulled me to the side uh, because he could see the discouragement in me. And he essentially said the following quote, and this is what I say a lot in my speeches. He says, I can teach anybody technique, but what I can't teach is intensity. So this, the quote is essentially would be, you can always teach technique, but what you can't teach is intensity. Yeah. That is something that is self-developed through resilience, determination, and showing up. Mm-hmm. And that would be Robert Bice. And that was a massive turning point for me at that time. You can always teach technique, but what you can't teach is intensity. And he said, I could see it in your eyes. 
you know, that you want it. Uh, you may not be the best at it, but uh, he knew that there was a level of intensity that ultimately, uh, like I said, at the 11th hour, we find ourselves a lot of times in an enormous amount of doubt as we get to that top of that mountain that we're never going to make it, never going to make it. And through all of the hard work and persistence, there's always some side door that will open up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I had this uh, amazing moment one time. This was uh, back in the 1996 Olympics where uh, my coach, uh, which was the Olympic coach, and his name was Reg Hatch. And he was this Australian guy, a uh, really intense guy. But, uh, you know, it's amazing how certain people can motivate you, right? You can hear the same thing from people all day long, but one person will tell you something and it'll click just like that. Yeah. And this was kind of a, an interesting fact because, you know, uh, I went over to the world, uh, over to a world cup in, in Poznan, uh, Poland, and uh, the Olympic team was getting ready to go to Atlanta. And uh, I did not make the team. I was the alternate for the team. But the fact of the matter is, is that here I was. And I remember before I even got over to Poland, uh, it was like that in Top Gun. Remember Tom Skerritt has Tom Cruise goes to his house in the original Top Gun, and he has a conversation with him. And Skerritt basically says, well, you're going to have to make up your mind. Are you going to show up and graduate with everybody? Uh, or are you just going to you know, throw it away? Right. And so I had a very similar situation where I had my teammates, uh, these two teammates of mine said, you know, the best thing for you to do, uh, even though you're the alternate, is see if you can go to Europe with the team. So I did the Tom Skerritt thing where I showed up to the coach's house one Sunday afternoon and I asked him, you know, and it was one of those things where uh, he was explaining all this stuff on the wall, how Greg Barton won by the thickness of a credit card. And, you know, he was going through and, and he knew in his mind where I was going, uh, but I didn't know where I was going. And ultimately at the end, he asked me, you know, what's the question that you have for me? And I basically told him, well, if, if I can, you know, find a way, can I go to Europe with the team? And so he says, sure, you know, it is essentially was I paid my way to go there. Uh, but the moral of the story was, is that when I was in Europe, uh, I was in Poznan, Poland, and I was doing all these races. I was a throw in. They needed an extra guy in the four man thousand at 500. And so they're throwing me around in all these different races until this one day uh, where the coach told me that, hey, Cliff, you're going to be racing in the K1 thousand uh, meter event. And we already had a guy on the team. That was the designated K1000 racer. And so he put me in there. And I remember a couple of my teammates pulled me to the side and they go, do you know what this is? I said, yeah, it's the K1000. He said, no, it's a test. There's, there's a test going on here. So you better kick butt, you know, do the best that you can. And so at the end of the day, you know, I realized that this is uh, a test, what it was going to be for. I have no clue. Uh, but what that test ended up being is, is that I raced the race and I had my best thousand ever. And so we flew back to US uh, and uh, uh, you know, I was totally bummed out because we landed in LA, the team, I stayed in Los Angeles, obviously, cause that's where I lived. And the rest of the team went down to San Diego to Chula Vista to pack up their bags and get ready to go to Atlanta a month and a half before the Olympics. So I was totally bummed out cause I've already been to Atlanta with the team. And so here was this emotional drain you know, as I get to LA. So then uh, about maybe it had to have been like eight or nine hours later, I get this phone call and it's the Olympic coach. Hey mate. Uh, he, cause he's Australian. Hey mate, what are you doing? And I'm like sleeping, trying to get rid of the jet lag. He goes, I got some good news and I got some bad news. What do you want to hear first? And he goes, I'll tell you 
The bad news, you're not racing in the K1000 meter. The good news, you're in the K4000. Get your butt down to San Diego. And so I hung up the phone. It was it. That was the conversation. Uh, and then so I ended up uh, calling him back on the phone and go, did you just call me You know, on the phone? And he's like, get your butt down here. You know, so I remember not even telling anybody. I just jumped in the car and went and, and called everybody once I got down to Chula Vista. But the thing about it is, is that's that 11th hour moment where you think that, the you know, it's over with, but it's actually not. If you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, you'll find windows of opportunity because of your persistence. Yeah, I love this theme that you're bringing up about the 11th hour and not giving up and, and just taking it one more step at a time because you never know if that final step is going to be the step that breaks the camel's back in like a good way and takes you to the next level. It reminds me about this series, this docu-series I've been watching called Losers about people that have just the most amazing persistence and they do not give up even after they keep getting pushed down again and again and again. Right, right. And then, you know, we all at the end of the day have to turn around and find out, you know, what is our purpose? And, you know, people, you know, you can think faith and destiny uh, to some degree, right? That always gets thrown into the hopper. But I think that more of it is, is that, you know, opportunity is, it's not being lucky at all that. It's where uh, persistence, uh, you know, meets determination. That's where opportunity is. It's those people that just work so hard and that's where they find the opportunity. It's not luck at all, one bit. Uh, and, uh, so where was I going with this? Oh, uh, so I was thinking about it, you know, to myself at the end of the day, you know, everybody's, you know, every, I think every Olympian's dream is winning an Olympic gold medal. Uh, I had, uh, I think I was blessed uh, by being able to have the, the distinction of being the 19th person in us history to carry the flag and the first canoe and kayaker. So that was my kind of spot. But I remember talking to Mal one time, Dr. Lesavoy. And, and he goes, no, no, no. He goes, where your gold medal is. He says, everybody has the fight to want to have that dream of winning a gold medal. But where your gold medal is, what you're doing now, it's the opportunity to be able to pass on this inspiration and doing all of these speeches across the country, going out there and saving people's lives and damage prevention and things like that. That is the important part. And that is your uh, gold medal. And I kind of thought about that and said that, you know what? Uh, let's say you did win an Olympic gold medal, you know, what would have happened after that? I think that because that never happened for me, I was able to find other avenues. And I think my influence is more, is stronger uh, with the ability that I have today is being able to go out there and touch the lives of other people and inspire them to be the best that they can be, or, you know, more importantly, uh, be safe on the work site and be able to come home to their families. And that's one of the big messages. And how do you feel like people can more deeply know their purpose and why they're here? How did that come about for you? And do you think that our purpose evolves and changes over time? Uh, well, yeah, things change all the time. And I think one of the important parts is, is that you have to, even though you're sometimes you're meandering, going down and, and you know, getting into kayaking and just kind of paddling, you, there has to be an ending goal. And that's why I talk a lot about my five steps of hierarchy, you know, hierarchy of achievement is that it's the first thing is the visualization part of it. You got to have the dream, right? And then you got to go through all the different phases, but ultimately you get to that scrutinization phase where every once in a while you got to turn around and say, well, this isn't working or, you know, why am I just not feeling it right now? You know? Uh, and that's where it goes back to that whole definition, you know, what's more important, uh, deter uh, dedication or motivation, right? 
And it's a, an important question. And that falls into that category where I believe dedication is much more important because it teaches you to build that resilience. It teaches you to show up on those days uh, that are raining and nobody else shows up, but you do. Uh, motivation, the best of the best go up and down and up and down. We all have these moments where, you know, oh my gosh, am I, you know, walking into a wall? You know, my training's not going good. I'm plateauing. That's why it's so important to be able to spin around and, and be able to scrutinize and say, you know, hey, do I need more rest? What can I do better? Do I got to work on this part of my training program or in life? You know, how can I enhance my, uh, you know, experiences with other people and so on and so forth? I think it's important to be able to stop and smell the roses. Right. And how did you actually build up that drive for yourself? Like what was helping you to get out of bed in the morning? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that, just like getting that internal flame lit so that they start to make moves. What was working for you? Uh, yeah. And I severely struggled. Uh, it was something that didn't happen immediately at all. This was 10 years. A lot of people forget that, that uh, the time period was a long period of time. You know, you're, you're in desperation, you're going to lose your legs. And then you're uh, at this point where now you have to, you know, succumb to going through the rehabilitation and all of that. But uh, I think at that time, it's those moments where we have those people that are around us in our networks. Dr. Lessonvoy made that bet with me that if you want to get out of the hospital, you're going to have to get from a bed to a wheelchair. So I think that, uh, you know, you have these little snippets here and there, but I think that at the end of the day, to exactly answer your question, where does that fuel come from? I think it was the immense desire just to be a normal kid because uh, I had lost so much. I just wanted to be normal. And I think that fight uh, to get there, uh, that's what developed that. And over time, uh, I think that accomplishment uh, becomes a, an addictive uh, type of trait, if you want to say that, because you learn from it. You know, once you learn that, hey, I can make it to this height, uh, then you start asking yourself, well, why can't I do more? And th so you push yourself. Uh, you may have times that you go sideways a little bit, but then you constantly reach because you learn that, hey, if I can walk these parallel bars, uh, I'll be able to get out of a bed and get into a wheelchair. And then, you know, ultimately getting to that canoe club, which seemed like an impossibility, you know, you, it, it builds. It's a small little micro building. I didn't say, that I wanted to go to the Olympics at all. That was nowhere even in sight, right? It's just the normalcy that I was looking for at that immediate time. So I guess it's the thirst for just trying to get to certain levels. And then you learn from all of that. I love how you were able to really turn your pain into your purpose or your mess into your message, as we sometimes hear said. And I also appreciate how much you're touching on community. And I know you've talked about how the strength of your mother really got you through your recovery process. So can you tell us more about, about her and, and your journey with this? Yeah, well, my mother, as you know, through my story and things like that, she played a critical part in the whole process. Uh, I always like to say that, you know, we weren't experienced because I think the listeners out there and people need to realize, you know, the community needs to realize that we're never going to be experts at anything. But I think that the moral of the story is, is persistence uh, and hard work and determination. And that is what my parents had and my, especially my mother, where you would tell her this and she'd say, absolutely not, you know, uh, no meant on for her. You know, that is like the number one thing you told my mom this, she was going to defy you. And that was just the way her personality was. She was, she has a very hard personality, uh, but she has the ability to accomplish what she sets her mind out to do. And that's the savior for me. You know, initially that was a huge savior. And plus I learned a lot from that as well. You know, 
but I think that uh, community is critical. Uh, role models, uh, heroes, uh, seeing what other people have accomplished and trying to do the same, becoming inspired uh, by other people's stories is a, an important part of it. And then also uh, emotional and moral support is critical. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about this before, that 50% of it is just showing up, and then the other 50% is, of course, putting in the work. But can you talk more about that? Yeah, there are so many times that, uh, you know, you get back to what's more important, dedication or motivation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that if you have built that dedication, you don't even think about it, you just show up, you know? And just like, you know, how many times do we want to not go to the gym or do our yoga or do our exercise or train for this or whatever we're going to do or write that term paper on a Sunday night at the 11th hour, right? You know that uh, you don't want to do it uh, and you, your mind is, uh, has creative ways of talking yourself out of a lot of stuff. But if you're used to just putting the hammer down and just going for it and you know you've got the pains, but you just work through it, I think that's one of the most important parts and that's your 50% show up. And then the rest of it is like, if you show up to the gym and all these people are working out, you got the machines, of course, you're going to go for it, you know? Right. So it sounds like making sure that you're curating an environment that really supports your goals and especially being around people that really mirror who you want to become and who you look up to. Right. And it's so easy to be able to talk your way out of things, you know, or other people to talk you out of it. Oh no, you don't need to go tonight or you don't need to do this. Just take a time off. That's didn't work in my mind at all. There's no days off. You got to go and just do the work because if you don't do it today, guess what? You're going to have to make up for it the next day. You know, oh, I could do my workouts. I'll push them towards the end of the week. Doesn't work that way because it just becomes a mess with everything in life, right? For me in school, everything was last minute. Uh, and But I learned that if I just jump into it and just do it, no matter how painful it is on that Sunday morning, uh, you're going to get through it. And I, I think that was a big learning point for me. It was just no matter how much it, you did not want to do it, just do it. Don't procrastinate. Oh, totally. And this is even a much broader conversation around procrastination and how it really elongates suffering, like this dull kind of pain and discomfort in the back of your mind. So did you have any mindset tricks that would help you get through this? Like, what would you say to yourself? Uh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I, I, I have the ability to kind of vision what the end goal is. And I know that if I, I'm so used to it, even today, uh, I know what the outcome is going to be. So I, I let myself talk a little bit, you know, I let my mind go back and forth just a tad bit and let it tease itself. But then I know that I got to do the homework and I go and do it and mm -hmm. because that's where that dedication comes in. It's the ability to build that resilience. And if you are used to just hammering things out and just getting the task done, right? Because as you said, procrastination, it's painful. And one of the reasons, you know, that whole theory, why do today, which you can put off till tomorrow, uh, there's a whole thing. I mean, I mean, look at it like here's an example on a Sunday night. You know that that paper is going to be due on Monday morning. Uh, and what do you do? You just kick the can down the road and do nothing all day Sunday. And that pain just loads up on you instead of just starting it off right away. Just get it done, you know, and start working on it. And it's amazing, just like with anything else is, is allowing yourself not to talk yourself into being able to kick the can down the road. Yeah. And this sounds like just the practice of building discipline because you start to see these amazing results as you continue to show up. Right. And that discipline thing doesn't, it isn't a, it's a learned behavior, if that's the right word to use, where you're, you're a disciplined person because you've practiced it. So anything that you face going forward, you're going to be able to apply that into all different facets. 
Uh, but that's one of the things is that we can all learn discipline. It's just about going out and doing it. Don't let anybody or yourself talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to go out there, accomplish the task and do it. Yeah. And can you talk about your hierarchy of achievement, as you call it? Can you help us understand what what that lays out? Uh, well, I think that this entire hierarchy of achievement is a very, you know, 30,000 foot approach to being able to use the tools that you have within you uh, to be able to get through adversity. So one of the most important parts, and I believe is the foundation uh, for going through this hierarchy is the creative visualization or the visualization part of that. It's the uh, the dream that uh, we all have uh, or the goal that we want to achieve. Uh, you know, there are a lot of times we don't know how we're going to get through that or if we're even going to be able to achieve it. But dreaming about it is a critical aspect of it. You know, believing that, you know, just maybe or developing these euphoric highs that, man, I'm going to get to this dream and this is what my dream would be is to become an Olympic kayaker or something of that nature. Uh, whatever it may be, whatever your goal is, I think that is the most important part is that creative visualization, being able to understand that, you know, you can do it if you do the work, right? So I think the most important part is the dream, is being able to dream it and visualize it. And that gets you to that foundational base of being understanding what your goal is, uh, and then being able to take these next various steps in that hierarchy of being able to accomplish it. Like the second step is being able uh, to identify what your strengths are and then also recognize what your weaknesses are because we all have weaknesses uh, and we all have strengths. We're completely different than one another. Uh, but the most important part is to be able to utilize what you're good at. And that kind of goes back to the story uh, of my brother where he got to recognize what my strengths were because I was completely blinded uh, to what my strengths were at that time. I was so focused on my limitations. And a lot of times when we want to accomplish things in life, we get you know, bundled up with what we cannot do uh, rather than what we can do. And that's where my brother had said that, you know, you can't use your legs. Uh, so why not get involved in canoe paddling, which is an all upper body sport. So that's an example of, uh, you know, being able to use the strengths that you have and don't, you know, and, and utilize and work on those things that you do not have, you know, uh, I think that, you know, taking that uh, lemons and turning them into lemonade is an important thing. Uh, You may not be the best at it with your limitations, but at least develop those and try to, as best as you can, turn those into strengths. But I think identifying that what you have and how you're going to apply it is one of the most important things. A lot of people say that, you know, when you look at some of these people in our lives that have accomplished the extraordinary Uh, you look at them and it's, you know, they say, oh, he's just so talented. You know, he's just the best basketball player on the planet because he's so talented. No, it's because he worked harder than everybody else. And that's, I'm a firm believer of that, that hard work, as you mentioned, will supersede uh, almost anything. And, and, you know, going back to that uh, saying that, uh, that I always like to use is that, you know, we are all ordinary people because we are, but we have the ability to accomplish the extraordinary. It's just all about putting your mindset together. And that's where that hierarchy of achievement comes in, you know, visualization, identifying your strengths and weaknesses, and then finding out what makes you tick. How are you different uh, from everybody else? And in my example was building that block of resilience. So how did I build that block or how does one build that block of resilience is that that resilience and that dedication is built up by being able to go and do the workload all the time and teach yourself that you have to do it on a daily basis and finding out what makes you tick. For me, it was completing everything 100% 
of the time. Before I could go to that next step up that ladder, I had to complete the step before that and the step before that and the step before that. I was very superstitious. And I think that at the end of the day, that was a blessing for me because it taught me to be dedicated. It taught me to be resilient. I may not have been motivated all the time, but having those skill sets got me to be able to make those accomplishments. So that's an important part. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, looking back, smelling the roses, we got to scrutinize our performance, find out what we have done well and how can we do it better. So we need to do that. Maybe there might be a completely different avenue that we're going to go down uh, because we find out that what we're doing here, there may be some innovative elements of it where we could push to a different direction or so on and so forth. Then uh, I think at the end of the day, one of the most important thing is to look yourself into the mirror. And we need to recognize that, you know, life is not a competition. Competing against other people is being the best that we can be. Don't compare yourself against the Joneses. You know, I would never be able to compare myself against anybody else. You know, uh, even today, you know, when I'm working out uh, and I go to the gym, I always look over and I thought, man, I wish I had legs like that guy does, uh, you know, and having that strength. But you know what? Uh, there's tools that I have that they don't have. So I think that, uh, we need to just look at the the things that we have in our life and what we were blessed with and maximize that rather than worry about what we don't have. And I think that's part of the whole hierarchy of achievement. It's a very simple process, but uh, those tools apply into almost uh, everybody's facet in terms of overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's interesting. It reminds me that Louis Zamperini was uh, an important figure and like a mentor in your life. And it reminds me of his brother, you know, guiding him into becoming this amazing track star. And then your brother also helping you to become a great canoeer and then make your way to the Olympics, like using the lemons that you had. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that, you know, you kind of look back and uh, I think, unfortunately, it happens later on in life as we get older, we recognize these influences that various people make in our lives that make a huge difference to it for us to be able to go out there and accomplish our goals. And, you know, my parents, my brother, they were huge. Uh, Dr. Lesavoy was massive. Uh, coaches, you know, Coach Bob and and my Olympic coaches and, and things like that, They everybody just provides a little bit. And then I think that uh, when I look back and I look at, you know, what did this entire uh, process of my brother engaging me into this canoe club provided, it provided all of what I was saying. Uh, but more importantly, it provided me the fuel and, and the ability to be able to be accepted by everybody else. You know, they didn't really judge me at all. They just brought me into the family environment and they basically said, here's what you need to do to be the best uh, out here. Uh, everybody supported it. And it was a very supportive structure uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being involved in this team, which helped me get through this adversity. It was a therapy for me. Yeah. It's amazing, too, to think about how there can almost be a sense of gratitude for all of the pain and the hardships that we've been through. Like, do you think that you would have gone on to accomplish all of these things without having sustained the injury that you did early on? Uh, That's a question. You know, do you think you would have gone to the Olympics if you weren't in your accident? And I think that uh, I don't want to say, well, here is the the thing that uh, I had the inner I had the intensity, like my coach said. Uh, and things like that. But I really didn't have the call to action uh, at that time. Uh, I had, I was intense and everything, uh, but my intensity was focused in other areas of my life. And there were things of importance. Of course, uh, I dreamed about 
competing in, in sports and things like that, because I dreamt a lot as a young kid reading books of Muhammad Ali, Billie Jean King, and stories like that were very inspirational for me, but I didn't have an urgency and a need. So that call to action didn't happen. So to answer the question, no, probably not. I would have never known what kayaking was all about. And I can tell you, I wasn't going to make it as a track and field athlete. Uh, so I think the thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, that was triggered by my call to action, that need for me to be able to be a normal kid and be accepted by other people created the fuel to overcome the adversity. How important do you feel like it is to have mentors in our lives? And what do you look for in a mentor? Well, the thing about it is, is that, well, first of all, to answer your question, mentors are critical. Uh, some of the top performers in the world all have coaches and mentors, and it's an important part. We aren't perfect, uh, but having that scrutinization from any but some other people in the sidelines telling us, hey, here's what I would do better or, you know, take a look at this. I think that's a really critical part of it. So but the other side of the story is, is that, uh, you know, mentorship is critical. And so are role models. Some may be tangible in our lives and some may be intangible. And I had a lot of intangible ones as well. Stories that we read, inspirational stories that we hear about, you know, so on and so forth. So you have a lot of that laid out, but the thing about it is, is that now you have to say, well, how am I going to turn uh, a, a role model into something that's tangible? That's where your resourcefulness has to come in, where you have to actually go out there and engage. Uh, and uh, good mentors will uh, be able to turn around and be able to help you and things like that. You can always look up to other people for guidance and mimic them, uh, but for them to be able to turn around and be a part of your process is critical. And for me, that happened a lot. There was uh, various different elements. I remember having a martial arts instructor uh, of mine. He was very influential to me about being the best that you could be, uh, and he really hit hard how important education was because he didn't have it. And he was older and he realized how important it was. But, uh, you know, uh, I had other role models like a local uh, Olympian uh, that I used to throw newspapers to, Tom Hintonhouse, uh, who was a huge inspiration for me. Uh, it was a very intangible role model at that time, but then it became tangible uh, when I actually got to know him and so on and so forth and, and learned that that actually was approachable. And a lot of times in life, we always think that, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's a mentor of mine. I idolize them. Uh, and we're so afraid of what the outcome is going to be. Uh, and sometimes it's better to just to go out and ask because the worst case scenario is someone can just tell you no, right? So a lot of times in life, we need to get a, a thousand no's before we can get that yes. Uh, but if we realize that, uh, I think that for me was a huge pivotal point uh, is being able to, to be aspired by various different people in my life. Yeah. And what qualities, like what makes a great mentor in your opinion? I think a great mentor is a person that can know, in addition to inspiring you because of their accomplishments, also be able to tangibly help you through the process. So if you can actually have that collaboration with a mentor where they can say, oh, you know, I would work on this or work on that, especially uh, when it comes to sports, it's a critical uh, process because a lot of times we are, you know, develop this, uh, this process that's given to us, you know, right under the coaching system and all that. Uh, but a lot of times everybody has these various different unique ways on how to be able to accomplish these goals, right? Uh, so I think that a, a good mentor is the one that engages with you, is actually able to provide you feedback in terms of what you can do better in order to be able to accomplish your goals. So I think that uh, continuous 
collaboration between the two of you is a very important process. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I wanted to ask you about something that you say often is a bad day can always be overcome with the right mindset. Can you tell us more about that sentiment? Uh, well, uh, I think that, uh, you know, we all have to recognize that everybody has a Monday morning, right? It doesn't matter if you're Michael Jordan or you're the top uh, physician in the world or the top scientist or the top athlete. Uh, it really doesn't morning. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got a Monday morning. And I think that uh, we know that we're going to be motivated from times that's very cyclical. Uh, but I think that it's important to be able to go back and say that, you know, hey, sometimes we're not as motivated, but that's where the dedication part comes in, where we got to do the workload and continuously show up on, on a daily basis. And I think that's the important part behind that is understand that, yeah, we're going to have ups and downs and all that. But the most important part is to just to do the homework. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so much again for your wisdom, Cliff. And uh, I'm excited to share this. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And as always, everything mentioned is linked in the description below. And final notes on my end, if you're curious about working one-on-one -on -one with me in my private mentorship series for seven weeks, you can just go to helendenham.com and browse through testimonials. You can check out the offering and the invitation to come in and work with me in this amazing container where your life will change dramatically. It's, it's a really exciting thing to see my clients, you know, just take these quantum leaps in life. It's absolutely amazing what happens when we prioritize our healing and invest in our well-being. And then finally, if you are looking for community sisterhood, join me in our monthly full moon circle. The next one is on November 8th for our full moon in Taurus. I believe that's a Tuesday evening, 8 p.m. EST. So, so excited to see you in there. Link is all also in the description below. Okay, my friends, talk to you soon.